Welcome to Life Quest Liberty, live in-depth conversations with today's top writers, editors, and spiritual leaders concerning religious freedom around the world. On today's broadcast, we'll examine local and international factors that may be impacting your right to worship and obey God as your conscience dictates. I'm your Life Quest Liberty host, Charles Mills. Most people will tell you that change is good, that things need to be refreshed, rebooted, or even transformed to stay relevant. Does this count for nations as well? More to the point, is America changing? And if so, is it changing in the right direction? Here to weigh in on this topic is Liberty Magazine editor Lincoln Steed. Lincoln, what say you? Well, first of all, how long is this program? <laughs> Two, three hours? Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> the point you make is very good and that we need to discuss, but on one level, I think it's a truism. It's a, an obvious reality that we've changed, and of course, time changes all of us. Mm-hmm. Thomas Jefferson, he himself wrote the Declaration of Independence and, right. and had a lot to do with the uh, framing of the Constitution, and he was one of the founding fathers, and a very effective president, even though... When he ran for election, he was seen as an anti-God figure and an ultimate revolutionary. But Thomas Jefferson said, uh, you know, if we don't change, woe betide us, because he said, you know, we might as well require that as adults we wear the clothing we had as children if we don't change with the times. And I think he had a good point. But lately, it seems that the change which is accelerating is not fed by a rational conscience-driven application of the constitutional principles and the founding principles, it's fueled more by a loss of memory of what those Mm -hmm. principles were. Mm -hmm. And we're adrift and responding to, again, a term one of the the framers said, every alarm. And if we respond to alarms in an uninformed way and allow ourselves as, as a community to be manipulated by different figures who you know, all through the ages, different political figures will uh, capitalize on people's easy response or their ignorance. Mm-hmm. If we allow that, then I think we're in mortal peril. Well, you and I were just talking before the program began how much we don't know as a society, how much we don't know as a church and as a people. That fits right in. The change is not the problem. It's what's fueling the change, I hear you say, right? I'll tell our listeners something that I'm sure not one in a thousand knows. I live near Washington, and I often go downtown and have meetings for one type or another in the Capitol, which is a grand uh, monument. And the last time I was down there, I was in the front yard listening to the Pope mm-hmm. as he addressed the joint session, and then he came out on the balcony of the Capitol, and we had it on the cover of Liberty. It was quite a uh, disturbing moment for a, a nation that has predicated part of its civil liberties on the separation of church and state. And here, the head of a church and the head of a state is lecturing Congress, and from a church that was once uh, held in deep suspicion by this Protestant society. So I felt that was quite an amazing moment. But even on that occasion, I lifted up my eyes and I looked, and on the top of the Capitol, there is a large female figure. And I don't think people know what that figure is. It's fairly closely labeled on Minerva, one of the pagan goddesses. Hmm. That I knew for a long time, and it's sort of a warlike figure. There's some uh, armor and cues on that figure that it's warlike. If you look very closely, which is hard from hundreds of feet away on the ground, Mm -hmm. if you look closely, though, the figure is vaguely like an Indian chieftainess or something. Mm -hmm. 
which I'm not sure it was intended to be, but it was intended to signal sort of an Americana ethnicity. Mm. But what I discovered, and what is most interesting, is that when they were preparing that statue, it was just on the outbreak of the Civil War, and there was much discussion. And Jefferson Davis, who was later, he was in uh, Congress, but he was later to become president of the... uh, the separated states, the Confederacy, Jefferson Davis got seriously involved in how they put that statue together because originally it was somewhat to be modeled after a Roman icon. And, of course, Minerva and other figures like that were much beloved of the Roman Empire with its mythology and paganism. And originally it was to have a little sort of a a cap much like the cap that was affected by the French revolutionaries. In the French Revolution, (laughs) there's been several, but the one where they executed the king and all the nobility and uh, celebrated reason. But it goes back to Rome. And Jefferson Davis knew his symbols because he was mightily offended by that little cap because that was a a symbol affected by Rome when they were about to free the slaves. Hmm. So he made them uh, remove that and replace it with sort of a helmet, very much like a Roman war helmet. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I thought, who knows that? And even more bizarrely, if it was known, wouldn't there be a hue and a cry to pull it down as they pulled down all the other southern memorials? (laughs) To me, it underscores a great, ambiguity that's been written into our experience here in the United States. And, and, you know, I'm willing to accept, in fact, I promote as loudly as I can the aspirational aspect of the United States, the way that it's led most of the world, and certainly for a long time the Western world, in seeking principles of freedom and justice and so on. You can't question that. The reality is often a little darker than we like to admit. And I'm saying that because at the moment we're in a dark spot. Can't we sort of say that if you examine your body close enough and I examine my body close enough, I'm going to find scars. I'm going to find scars from things that I've done in the past, maybe by accident, maybe on purpose, but things that weren't good ideas. I made mistakes and I got scarred by them. Can't you allow this nation of ours to have scars like what's on top of the Capitol building? Absolutely. I mean, in fact, not only allow, it couldn't be anything other because a heel scar leaves a little mark, doesn't yes. it? Although I guess other countries have it, but not in Australia where I grew up, but here you've got poison oak, poison ivy, yes, and so on. Yes. Those sort of injuries, unless you wash it with some pretty good medicine, will just keep on weeping and, yeah, yeah. and lingering. And so we want to make sure that they are heel scars, not these sort of things. There we and, go. And I, I believe go. at the moment we're sort of scratching away at some old There stuff. we go. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> well put, Lincoln. In other I words, can play metaphors as well as you can. <laughs> yeah, the, the scars that we have, we need to stop. You know, we, we need to recognize that they're there. We need to let them dry and become part of who we are. But then we need to move on. We need to change instead of just scratch, I hear you say. Where do you start on where we are today? I had a letter today from someone who'd read several issues of Liberty. And I get, by the way, I get very many positive letters. But I got a letter from this one person, and they were just roaring at me through the text, accusing Liberty of being a liberal magazine. I don't see it as liberal. I see it as deeply conservative. But it sometimes means that the position we take on something is what a political conservative, so-called conservative, might see as a liberal thing. Like it's become liberal to insist on the separation of church and state. 
I just read an article today that one of these pagan, the Church of Satan, I think it's called, pagan groups, is bragging that they're using their court cases to uh, promote separation of church and state, which they are. Yeah, of course. But, but because we promote separation of church and state doesn't mean that we're ultra-liberal pagans like this group. It just happens that for different reasons, we're pushing for the same thing. Yeah. You know, we, we push for, for civil rights for everybody, and that is... That and, is and we've you know. had articles decrying the whole gun culture yes. and, and the attitudes yes. that lead to some of these uh, mass shootings. Yeah. But that doesn't mean we're liberals. It doesn't even, in, in any direct way, speak to how we regard the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. Over and over again, I've been on different radio programs and, and some television programs. I've said only slightly facetiously... I'm not particularly in the the argument as to whether or not you should have assault rifles. To me, the Constitution's clear. To fulfill what they were intending, you would have to give citizens access to uh, missiles and tanks and all the rest. The principle was not guns per se, it was whether the free citizenry have the right and the ability to overthrow a despotism Mm -hmm. and whatever it took. So, you know, things get turned on its head where we're using a moral point to decry an attitude of violence and casual killing that is often writ large against school children mostly, but even that group at, uh, what was it, was it Las Vegas, where there was a mass shooting. These are horrific acts that speak very poorly on our group thinking on weaponry and killing and so on. So what I hear you saying here is that we need to have change, and it needs to be quite constant to keep up. But that change needs to come from not the scratching of old scars. Where should that change come from? What criteria should we use to say this is what we need to do? Change is inevitable. In fact, to indulge my darker side, there's a quote. I think it's in a hymn. Change and decay and all around I see. Yes. (laughs) There's no stasis in nature. Energy declines or, or shifts, matter shifts from one form to the other, you can't deny it. But as a nation, this nation, the United States in particular, as it moves forward, if it can't keep rooted in the principles that founded it, not the Constitution, people have gotten, you know, I'm dealing with this night and day, the Constitution is not sacred. The wording of it betrays its ancestry, you know, the $5, I think it is, penalty in, yeah. in suit of law and so on. You know, it's antiquated if you look at it that way. But the principles that informed it, the moral guidelines that it encapsulates, if they're not remembered and treasured and applied in all ages, we're in deep trouble. And, you know, just to pluck something out of thin air, at the moment, the whole attitude toward immigration Of course, there's an immediate application. Why are caravans of people coming? Are they being financed by nefarious groups? You know, are they coming for a legitimate purpose or whatever? All of these things apply. Mm -hmm. But the reaction, which was stated recently by the administration, we're full up. We don't need you. We don't want you. And worse, uh, (laughs) you know, the political opponents of an administration view will be punished by having hundreds, if not thousands, of these people dumped on their doorstep. I mean, this just makes a mockery of a moral position. Mm -hmm. Well, as our nation changes, how do we know we're on the right track? What is, in the last 60 seconds of our show, how do we, how can we tell whether we're doing it right? Well, I believe all citizens, all leaders need to pursue justice and mercy. And sometimes mercy seems uh, impossible with pure justice, but there has to be 
that moderating force of applied mercy, not necessarily forgetfulness of principle, but, uh, you know, if we become just law, and we're not even heading that way, it's, right. you know, we're law magnified upon law, too many laws, you know, you become lawless. But I, I, I think we have to apply things in a way that we're a beacon to the world of true justice, not a warning to the world of some other totalitarian regimes in the past. They had lots of law, lots of it, but not much charity, and, and, and as a result, they were despotisms. We need to avoid that at all costs. All right. Lincoln Steed, editor of Liberty Magazine, has been our guest today. Lincoln, thank you very much. And listener, I invite you to our website, libertymagazine.org. Lots of good things there for you. Until next time, this is Charles Mills, along with Lincoln Steed, inviting you to rest in the freedom of God's love. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about LifeQuest Liberty, call 443-391-7258 or email us through our website at libertymagazine.org. Join us again next week at the same time as we examine more of the threats and challenges facing your religious freedom. May God keep the flames of liberty burning in your heart today. <laughs>